Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Noticing. I'm your host, best-selling author Johnny B. Truant, and I'm here to help you give the muse the finger and make life your muse instead. In each 10-minute episode, I'll tell you how I spun something mundane into inspiration and show you how to do the same. If you've ever wondered how to write better, how to be creative, how to get more ideas, you're in the right place. Let's start noticing. I learned the other day that apparently MSG actually isn't that bad. This was really surprising to me, especially since what I learned later was that uh, apparently it's been that way for a while. Apparently, this is something that people have known not just recently. It's not like there was just a thing. It's just never kind of made its way back into the culture in the way that, quote, MSG is bad is already in the culture. And that was really interesting to me because what that said was that there's that persistence of a first impression, basically. And we all know the idea that first impressions last. That's not new. However, the idea that something like this, I I guess it was just a stark reminder. I guess it was just like, you know, MSG isn't going to be offended. And I don't particularly feel bad about the MSG industry and all the people involved in the making of MSG. It's not like it feels like a crisis. but and, And for that reason, it feels safe to kind of see this as something that could have been extrapolated to anything. You know, we all know the the people in school about whom there were rumors. And the rumors are invariably negative. There's not usually good good uh, rumors out there. And I can think of someone in particular that there was kind of a kind of a nasty rumor about or kind of a gross rumor or one of the rumors that would make somebody look very askance at, at this person. But then learning later that it actually wasn't even true. And what that makes you do is look back and say, oh, man, when I had subtle interactions with this person, and I didn't have a lot of interactions with this particular person, but I did know them. And I did have kind of subtle reactions and I would, you know, pass them and in the halls or exchange glances like that sort of thing. And this was happening with a lot of people. And most people would know that rumor. And to, to look back and go, wow, you know, I, I kind of subtly gave that person some kind of quiet crap, as did a lot of people, and it wasn't even true. And in some cases, things like this, you don't even know where they came from. So in some cases, there are rumors or preconceptions or something that you don't even know. I kind of have, uh, this is kind of an amusing one that I'll share on the extreme end of the spectrum. I actually have two. So if, if you've never done this, if you have kids and you've never done this and your kids are a little older, this is kind of a really fun but also disturbing thing to try. So my, um, my, my, uh, my son, well, okay. So we, my son was in Cub Scouts and as part of a Cub Scout thing, like an event, we went to see, uh, it was Macbeth that we went to see. I'm pretty sure it was Macbeth or no, it was Hamlet that we went to see. And Hamlet is a long play. If you've seen Hamlet live, I don't know if they do abridged plays, but this one was certainly unabridged. And I want to say it was like, three and a half hours long or something. And I had no idea. And the kids were too young. I'm not talking Boy Scouts. I'm talking Cub Scouts. So they were, they were young, but for some reason we we went and it was very Shakespearean and I can't follow Shakespearean dialogue. I just kind of have to rely on visual cues to see what's going on. And so clearly these kids weren't getting it. And so after, you know, sitting there for an hour and a half, I'm like looking at my watch going, Oh my, Oh my God, is this over yet? And we had our daughter with us. And so she's younger. And so at the time she was quite young. I'm guessing she was like six, maybe, I don't, maybe even younger. 
And so we figured, okay, when we hit the, the admission, the intermission and they, they broke, I was shocked that it was an intermission. I was like, oh crap, this is only halfway through. We have to sit through another two hours of this. And it was late. And so we were going to use her as an excuse. And we said, okay, hey, let's use her as an excuse. And she said, oh no, no, I want to stay. So we had to stay for the whole thing. And we stayed through the end. And the only real big action that happens in Hamlet is when everybody gets killed at the end. And they, you know, throw out ribbons or whatever it is to make it look like blood, theatrical blood. And she told us later that she thought that those people were actually being killed on stage. And to kind of go, whoa, you thought we were taking you to some weird snuff play? And we we almost didn't know this. And you went through a lot of life, like believing that, believing that we were the parents who would take you to a snuff play. And then the other story, when when she told that, then my son chimed in with one of his own, where he was walking past our room and I was saying something to my wife about uh, like an amygdala thing, like a fear response. And I used the word monkey brain. And I said something about, oh, it's just my monkey brain doing whatever, not monkey brain, lizard brain. And so he told us later that he thought that I was, uh, that I actually had a lizard brain and that I had, you know, I was just like a lizard person, like in V or something. And again, it felt like you need to tell me these things. If you think that we're sent, taking you to murder plays and you think that we're lizards or in another case, he thought man, which was made of actual men, you need to tell me these things. So that's the way that like preconceptions can kind of spool out of control in if you don't even, especially if you don't even know, so you can't correct them. So like if the MSG industry hadn't known that they had such a terrible reputation. Anyway, the whole point is it it has this sticky reputation that it doesn't deserve. And so from a literary perspective, there's some things that I think you can do here and that you should do because you you know that you're earlier, the things that you say early on and the ways you position things early on are going to stick and they're going to stick disproportionately. So it's like they get an extra weight because they're early in the story. So this is why Save the Cat exists. If you know Blake Snyder's idea of Save the Cat, there's a whole book on it. Basically boils down to, at least in my usage, if you want to make sure that uh, people don't turn on a character early. So if you have to have somebody who is appears to be a jerk and they're redeemed, you don't want them checking out and going, I don't want that guy to be redeemed because he sucks. What you do is you save the cat. And that means that you have them do something nice, usually unseen, or they think something, they do something quiet that lets you say, okay, well, they're terrible, but there's clearly a grain of good in them. Uh, you know, in, in silo, there's this character who's terrible, but like he has a good relationship with his son. And so you're like, okay, well, Maybe there's some good in that guy. And the opposite of that, by the way, I think is, I don't know if it's colloquially called uh, kick the dog. Stephen King literally did this in um, The Dark Half, where he has a guy who seems really nice, but when nobody's looking, he like kicks this dog. And so that will show you that your first impressions, go ahead and settle by them. Go ahead and have those first impressions. But just so you know, we're kind of putting a placeholder in to say that later on that might switch. And you can do this with uh, stereotypes too. If you want to have a character be more memorable, what you can do is you can throw in deliberately a first impression that feels maybe a little kind of out of the blue. Like if you had a a jock stereotype, but he's way into poetry, it's going to make you, it's going to subtly influence the way that you think about that character, but it's going to make him memorable. So this is a way that you can use 
that what you know about first impressions and how well they stick to make a character more memorable or on the flip side to make sure that they don't get a such a strong first impression that they aren't willing to stick in there with that character when you then later switch them around. But knowing that you can do this accidentally is something you kind of need to be aware of. What if you screw up your protagonist and then when they change, then nobody wants them to change. They're like, screw that person. But you can do this with all sorts of things. The one that I, one that I really kind of like is if you, audiences are very savvy and these days, and they, they get a lot of joy out of figuring you out in advance. So, oh, I see where this author or this artist is going. This musician is going like, I know what they're going to do. Ha ha ha. I figured it out. I'm so smart. And you want some degree of that because it engages them if they feel like they're smart. But it also is kind of annoying when you're actually trying to have a twist. So that's what a good red herring is for. If you introduce something as a first impression, and if you do it subtly, in such a way that they might kind of think something like it's like the MSG thing, like, well, okay. So clearly there's something bad going on here. And, but you're, you're doing it on the sly. You're like, I know I'm giving you the wrong impression. So I'm setting up a false trail so that later when there's a twist, it can actually be a surprise. And that's a good way to kind of get below this thing where people really think that they have you figured out. Just remembering that first impressions are disproportionately weighted And you can use that for great things, or you can use them at your peril if you use them wrong. All right, that's it for today. If you'd like more, there's a full article about every episode on my website at johnnybtruant.com, as well as show notes and transcripts. If you find value in what I do, please consider becoming a member of the site. Just click on membership at the top. Members get extra weekly episodes of the podcast, extra companion articles, my current in-progress book, if you're into that sort of thing, and more, all for just a few bucks a month. It's basically like buying me a cup of coffee. If membership isn't for you, please show your support by subscribing, sharing, reviewing, all that good stuff. It really does make a difference. Thanks for listening and stay curious.